Hi, I'm Robert Butler, and I took a left at the valley. I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists. You know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that. But with the religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance, and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims. That's something to be ashamed. I'm an atheist. 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 From yet another set of exaggeration, this is Left of the Valley. My name is Kevin, and I'm so short, I had to get on my toes to spill the floor. Joining me as usual is a team that can speak Russian in French. Whatever side of the track she's on, it's the right one. Nancy. Absolutely. Hi, everybody. Glad you joined us today. you got to turn your mic towards you, dear. I can barely hear you. His tears cure cancer. Too bad he never cries. Kevin. That was a secret, Kevin. But thank you. Hi, everybody. And she is so rare that the Holy Grail is looking for her, Deb. I promise to speak only in American. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> guys, welcome back. I hope you guys all had a good week. Um, we just went through the American Thanksgiving. Does Yay! That mean, yeah, I guess that means something for you. What about you, Nancy? Oh, I, I always have a little, little bit of, of Thanksgiving. Turn it towards your here. face. I don't the mic, I think the mic is fake. It's not me. That's no, because it has to be pointed directly at you. Uh, well, it's pointing. No, it's pointing. It's there. pointing. There we go. Now it's pointing. There we go. A pointy mic. This is only go with my pointy ni- head. This is only show ninety-five, and now we're now figuring out the microphones. That's that's oh, that's pretty good. No, no, I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a quick learner, boy. <laughs> good, good. Ninety-five <laughs> tries, and I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, yesterday was Black Friday. Now, what does that mean to you guys? I don't know about you guys, but whenever I see Black Friday for me, I just lock myself with a shotgun, and I just wait for the worst. Yeah, I just wait for it uh, to be done. It's a, it's a day to be avoided, absolutely. <laughs> but but then I don't have kids and family to uh, to buy a lot of stuff for. So, in a moment okay. of all malls matter, yeah. I avoid Black Friday. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And so Christmas. But some people love it. They get up at three o'clock in the morning so they can be at the store at four. It's all in the competitive line of capitalism. Yeah, disturbing. Also, they can so things that they buy can all be returned the day after Christmas because (laughs) nobody liked them or they want the money back. That's a proud Canadian tradition called Boxing Day. Boxing (laughs) Day. That's for Christmas though. Uh, Mm. And whenever I see the footage of people just crashing through doors and. You know, just running over each other just to get uh, a freaking twenty percent off. Yeah, that's right. I'd like to encourage everybody not to do that and to donate some money or donate some clothing or donate some materials to a charity or you know give it to an organization or person that counts. Why are you looking at me when you say that? You don't like the way I'm dressed? Donate your clothing to Kevin at Left of the Valley because. <laughs> he looks I'm, like crap. I'm definitely starting out on the wrong side of the tracks today. <laughs> also, uh, and also for Black Friday, you gotta say it's ironic that people are just trampling over each other to grab something the day the after day they're after being so thankful. thankful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you just have yeah. to pull it out. 
know, give it give it to someone who needs something. Give it to a cause that matters. Make your make Christmas a, a day of giving something of value to someone who needs it, not another thing to put in the closet and pull out when you're there so you think they use it or like it all the a time. A worthwhile donation. Send your donation yeah. to Nancy at Left of the Valley. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas is for kids. You know, once you grow up, give a grown-up gift. Yes. I would encourage people. I think I might do that this year. Instead of giving me gifts or something like that, make a donation to especially journalistic uh, journalistic ventures. Yeah. We need good information out there. And especially with the past election we just saw, there's a plethora of people that are sending false information, and we shouldn't do that. And we try to do our best here to do the same. Yeah, the difference between exactly. marketing and journalism. That's right. That's right. Oh, and did you know we got... Mail time. Mail time. I know. Wait, there's going to be male dancers? No, that's oh. not quite the same. Oh, God. But it's a, it's a good call. We actually got a letter. Oh. Yes. <laughs> After 95 shows, we got a letter, and <laughs> I learned to use the mic. It's a red letter day. And this is a good day in the studio. The letter is? <laughs> Brought to you by the letter R. Right. <laughs> and the number 12. <laughs> no, this, this is, I think, I, think, I think Keith, this is Keith Herbert, or Hebert. I think he sent us a letter before. Okay. And uh, he. Uh, is he very concerned? He's very concerned. <laughs> He's very concerned because uh, this is uh, he, a couple of weeks ago when we had uh, uh, November 11th, I had a rant, and he was really concerned with my rant. What was your rant about? My rant about November 11th being a bit too um, religious because there's a lot of soldiers out there. They're not Christian soldiers, and they're completely ignored. And uh, I feel that, you know, November 11th should be more, we should take the religion on November 11th. For Veterans rep- Day, for 11-11? Yes, yes. Okay. So, uh, because it represents more likely, uh, more of the, the keen values. You know, it kind of it kind of sucks when you're a Sikh soldier sitting on stage and having to do a priest doing uh, the Lord's Prayer or something like that. I mean, it's very unfair. So I said, in the name of, for equality's sake, we should really abolish the religious segments in, uh, in the uh, this religious holiday. It's not a religious holiday. Oh, uh, you're right. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. I'm just... The religious part of that. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. I do. So anyway, Mr. Keith writes, Mr. Francis, he calls me Mr. I love that, is again showing his bigoted anti-Christian stance that nearly all so-called humanist takes, i.e. society is better off adhering to my worldview and not the Christian worldview. Yes, you're right, Keith. <laughs> Secular worldview is a better worldview Last time we had the Christian worldview dominating, it was called the Dark Ages. <laughs> that's that's it's that simple, okay. And if you want to take a look, oh, anyway, get into his letter a bit later. So he says it's funny too because more than twenty years ago, I was rejected for membership of the BC Humanist Association because I was in fact a Christian. Um, I don't see what that has to do with my letter or my rant. Um, well, he's ver- just letting you know how terrible we are. Oh, yes, yes. He's widened the net. I don't know why he's drawing the BC humanist in this. He's experienced. He's experienced. In? In whining? Well, he's, <laughs> yes. Yeah. This is the same organization that rants and raves every chance they get about the evils of Trinity Western University. And uh, these are the same people who want us all to subscribe to the rendition of human rights, so as long as they don't include the rights of humans still in the womb. I have no idea why you just brought abortion into this. I just think it's wonderful that he was listening and took the time to express his opinion I agree. and let us know that's it's in you know, we, we need the exchange. 
thank you so much for writing. We're not through yet. Thank you so much for writing, and please do it as as many times as you like. It's great to great to be able to to have the discussion. And with of course, you. his letter's not done. He says, and yes, I feel confident pinning it that all on Mr. Francis. It's all my fault. <laughs> He's entitled to believe as he wishes. That's the beauty of free will. Huh? See what he did there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's also entitled to suffer the consequences someday. That's basically saying, if you don't convert now and repent, you will burn. I should put that disco in for you. He's lighting the match. That's right. (laughs) Residents of Abbotsford shall feel free to remember the soldiers who died for our freedom. You're right. And the soldiers that died for our freedom are not just Christian soldiers. That's correct. And if that happens to involve faith, which provides a reason to make such a sacrifice, it offers hope for a better world here or hereafter. Why should an atheist hater of God's have any impact on the discussion? Well, Keith, thank you for your letter. But I will tell you why. Because, like I said, Christians were not the only ones out there in the foxholes. I know there's the old saying, there's no atheists in foxholes, but that's a lie. There's atheists out there, there are Muslims out there, there are Buddhists out there, there are Jews out there, there's every denomination. So when you have November 11th and you have a priest, just a Christian priest out there, you're basically saying to every other religion out there, you know what, your beliefs don't matter. We don't care. This is a, this is a Christian nation and it's not true. Canada is not a theocracy. And we're, we're supposed to rule on a secular basis. That's what the uh, Supreme Court said. And that's why I wrote that letter. So of course we cannot include every denomination out there. You can't have a priest, a rabbi, an imam, and all that stuff, making all the incantations. That'd be ridiculous. If they're willing to do that, sure, fine, great. But that, that, that ceremony would probably last about 10 days. Hmm. So it's much better to just eliminate it all and make it a completely secular thing. If you want to pray for the soldiers for, to your God, go right ahead. I've got nothing against that. And that was the gist of my letter. So that was our, also my response to Keith. Yeah, and thank you so much, Keith. It made a made a great discussion, and I hope you, as I said before, I hope you keep writing in. And, yeah, yeah. And Who knows? Maybe one day will come on the show. That's yeah, I, we we'd love to have have you have your your point of view. I think it would make a make a great great show. You know, to to have a, a great civil discussion. That's what we encourage. That's mm-hmm. what we like, and uh, we want to be all inclusive. Exactly. So thank you, thank you, thank you again for writing in. And in other news, apparently uh, we got a letter from, speaking of BC Humanists, uh, our friend Ian Bushfield uh, is apparently uh, looking for some volunteers. Apparently the uh, there's a prison in uh, Mission, a minimum security prison, and apparently there's a couple of, uh, there's one guy in particular, apparently he's looking to build a kind of group of atheists and non-believers in that minimum security uh, facility. And But they need help from the outside. They can't do it themselves from the inside. They need somebody to help them from the outside. So, I don't know. Is that something we should look into? Sure, why, why not? Why not, right? I mean, I'm kind of curious about it. So, we'll try to follow up and see what goes on with that. And who knows? Yeah, Ian stays really busy. Yeah, I mean, you know, with have... uh, With, uh, you know, trying to educate people and and uh, always on, on the watch for things that um, violate uh, secular, yes. you know, yes. society. Oh, Ian's so been doing a great job. Yeah, so he, does a great, he does Absolutely. a great job. Anytime he, he has time to be on the show, it, it always enriches us. Excellent. Uh, yeah. My dear Nancy, are you ready to go? I certainly am. Let's get it going. And here we go. This day in history, a roundup of those events and people who altered and illuminated the days between November the 21st and the 27th. November the 22nd is, was Independence Day in Lebanon. 
And as most of us remember, in 1963 in Dallas, Texas, U.S. President John F. Kennedy was assassinated um, and Texas Governor John Connolly was seriously wounded. And the suspect was Lee Harvey Oswald. He was a reptilian, right? Oh. He's a reptilian, right? Reptilian. <laughs> no, no, I got those two mixed up. Right? Sorry. <laughs> I get my conspiracy it's, theories. It's pro- it, listen, depending on what conspiracy theory you follow, he could be <laughs> anything. You know, he can he can change in an instant depending on the, the the side you want to take in terms of of who he was and where he came from and who helped him. Anyway, he was captured and charged with the murder of both uh, the president and a police officer, J.D. Tippett. Um, and then Oswald was shot dead two days later by. Jack Ruby, a whole other conspiracy going there, while in police custody. And Vice President Lyndon B. Johnson became the president um, upon his death. And uh, those of you who are uh, new to this part of history or you'd like to learn more about it, you can go on Wikipedia, you can read books. Uh, There's a lot of videos of the shooting that was filmed live Mm -hmm. at the time. So there's no end of uh, John F. Kennedy assassination material. It's a fascinating... I would recommend our listeners listen to the show about this time of year last year where you went on at length about... Your involvement. That's right. Yeah, Nancy was there. That's she was right. on that grassy knoll. That's right. Uh-huh. And when, if you do uh, find the videos, um, one of the um, and now one of the news reporters from NBC, Tom Pettit, is the one who was there and who um, when Jack when Jack Ruby shot um, Lee Harvey Oswald, yeah. and uh, he, he was a fascinating guy. I met him. And every time I see that, I, I remember, you know, my, my visit with Tom, yes. with Tom Pett. That's how old I am, guys. What, I go what, back what, what, what I remember the most about that story yeah. is while John F. Kennedy was being shot, you were looking for a banjo. I was looking for a banjo. <laughs> was looking for a banjo. In, in, in Fort Worth, Texas, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, please go back and listen, listen to that. And uh, I think it, 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 it's, it's, a fas- it's a fascinating thing to be that close to. And that's why we say Nancy's events. done absolutely everything. Yeah, I've done She's <laughs> been everywhere. She was there for <laughs> done everything. assassination, yeah, Lincoln's assassination, Cleopatra's poisoning. She was there for everything. <laughs> Neil Armstrong on the moon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. She told She's me what to say. With them. Yeah. I know. I'm like a 2,000-year-old man, but... It, <laughs> <laughs> 2,000 year old little old lady. Uh, November the 23rd, moving right on, was um, Labor Thanksgiving Day in Japan. And in 1963, same year of the assassination, the BBC broadcast a program called An Unearthly Child, starring William Hartnell. And that was the first episode of the science fiction serial of the first name, um, and then eventually became. Doctor Who. So it's been going since 1963. Anybody here a Doctor Who fan? Yes. Ah, which, who is your favorite Doctor Who? I'm not okay. <laughs> <laughs> the one from Whoville. Yeah, I came in. I came yes. in very late, and David Tennant of the of the modern ones. David Tennant was my favorite Doctor Who. After that, I kind of lost. You should do it like a Doctor Who versus Doctor Seuss. Doctor Seuss, yeah. both. Battle Royale. I like them both. November the twenty fourth, Evolution Day, the anniversary of the publication of uh, something called Darwin's On the Origin of Species. Which I have, have a copy right here. Yeah, the, uh, fascinating, fascinating <laughs> book. Um, in it's all just fantasy, isn't it? <laughs> 
depending on your creationist point of view. <laughs> November the 25th, International Day for the Elimination of Violence Against Women. Long title, but it's a, it's a good thing to, be, to remember. Um, in 1949, on the 25th, Rudolph, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Red Reindeer, Reindeer <laughs> appeared on music charts. Um, and now every time you listen, you can turn the music way down and wait three minutes until it's over, <laughs> till it's over with, which is the way I celebrate that song. And then it's in my ear forever. The earworm. Know, to try the and Christmas get earworm. November 26th is Constitution Day in India and, of course, Thanksgiving Day in the States. Um, on November the 26th, a young man named Ellery Shemp protested the mandatory reading of passages from the Bible in his public school homeroom, and he decided to read passages from the Koran instead of the Bible, which earned him a trip to the principal's office. Uh-oh. So he and his family requested help from the ACLU, American Civil Liberties Union, which launched the case of School District of Abington Township versus Shemp, which in the end, the Supreme Court ruled that such mandatory religious exercises are unconstitutional. And that, of course, um, uh, was, the, was the landmark decision. And it, it started uh, it all. It started, started it all, and the consequences of which are still going on to this yeah, day. Absolutely. So, in, yeah, interesting that that was right around the Thanksgiving holiday as well. I'm very thankful for that. Yeah, exactly. The 25th was Black Friday, which we've already talked about. Um, and in 1924, in New York City, the first Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade was held and uh, is still going on today It's over 90 well. years now, right? Oh, yeah, it's going on Good. going on for, for a long time. Um, I wanted to, to bring in a story today that has nothing to do with the date, but it's such a fascinating story. I figure it, it deserves a place in our day in, in, in history, so here right. we go. Has anybody ever heard of a woman named Henrietta Lacks? Oh, anybody? no. No? Okay. No, I guess I have. Ah, good. I'm glad then. In 1920, Virginia Lacks was born in Virginia on a tobacco farm. And she was a the, she was a black woman, and she was the child of slaves. She w- developed cancer. She was just horribly poor. Oh. And in that time, when when she uh, developed cancer, it was the 1950s, and there were there were not mer- many places where black people could go to be treated for cancer, but they could go to Johns Hopkins. So they accepted her as a patient, and she entered um, Johns Hopkins in 1951. And she was being treated. They actually had a colored ward. They called it the colored ward. They, they weren't integrated at that time. So a doctor uh, took some samples. She had a uterine cancer. Oh. So the, a doctor took uh, samples uh, from her cervix and gave it to researchers without her consent or even her knowledge. And he was just going to take the, you know, to be to be studied and yep. sent to the lab and so forth. And that same year, 1951, she was 31 years old. She died. Oh. But not all of her died. The interesting thing is that the cells which were derived from those two samples that were taken from her without her knowledge have inexplicably, inexplicably lived on in labs for over 60 years. And those cells have been used to research the effects of radiation, AIDS, the polio vaccine, and much more. Her family's never benefited 
from it. I was getting really excited because I thought you would come up with some kind of cloning thing, and then she went on a death rampage <laughs> and <laughs> killed everything. It's all witchcraft, really, isn't no, it? No, but... Or my Godzilla shirt. But I would imagine there have been science fiction stories that have been yeah, based on that, sure. wow, yeah. you know, on that very... And in, in 1910... Henrietta's Revenge. Yeah, exactly. In 1910, there was a book published called The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, and then there is a movie now that's that's going to come out uh, about her. So the um, in, in, in on the air on PBS in a show called Fresh Air, um, it was said that the cells were the first immortal cell line ever to grow in culture and are known as Hela H E L A. They're known as the Hela, and the science put them in culture in 1951, and they just never died. They kept growing and growing, and scientists have been trying to do that for decades. It had never worked, wow. so that was the first one. So, um, it, 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 the, the cancer that grew so fast that, it, um, unfortunately, you know, caused her death. She's she's still she's still here here with us. Yeah, yeah. It, and the cells have done a lot of good and have contributed to a lot of profits. And the case which is much about class and gender and race as it is about science, has spawned a lot of ethical debates about informed consent. Should those have been taken without her knowledge? Should she have been informed? But this is back in the 50s. Yeah, yeah, and it's so a good it's, debate. Yeah, it's, 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 it's been the, the, um, the subject of a lot of ethical, medical ethical debates at this time. So to learn more, you can read the book or watch the coming HBO movie that's been based on it. It's an Oprah, Win, Oprah Winfrey uh, movie, and she plays Lack's daughter in that. But isn't it interesting to think that after all these years, all this has happened, and there's very little that, that's been known about it. No, her. it's true. It's, it's an interesting story. Yeah, it's a really and, and although I really don't like Oprah Winfrey, I mean, I can't blame her for pushing these kind of stories. Yeah. These are good stories, and I probably should know them. These are, these are good, really good stories. I don't like Oprah. I think she's a fake. And, she's a phony. ending on that, and that note, both with Oprah and the, <laughs> the eternal cells of Henrietta Lacks, that brings to a close another passing parade of interesting, mundane, unusual, and occasionally bizarre events and people that make up this day in history. Thank you very much, Nancy. And we'll be right back right after this. Interested in a particular topic? You ever wonder where we find all this information? The Common Sense Canadian is a forum for critical discussion of the key issues shaping our world today. Water, energy, food security, and how we manage our resources to the public benefit while preserving our environment. So go to commonsensecanadian.ca. It's uncommonly sensible. I'm the Supreme Irreverend Dr. Randy Tyson from the Legion of Reason Diversion. Join me and my co-hosts, Christine Shelska, Twyla, and Nate Phelps, as we explore issues at the intersection of atheism, humanism, and skepticism. Topics range from alternative medicine to the interference of religion in public policy. We often have special guests to help us understand the topic du jour. Previous guests include biologist Jerry Coyne, ex-Muslim author Ali Rizvi, philosopher Peter Bogosian, and the late physicist Victor Stanger. 
You can watch us on the Legion of Reason YouTube channel or subscribe to the audio version through your favorite podcatcher such as iTunes or Stitcher. And don't forget to like the Legion of Reason Facebook page. Here's an excerpt from Our Constitution, The Way It Was by Dr. Madeline O'Hare. Seemingly, no one knew just what to do. There was no clear-cut program. Some wanted to try to continue to negotiate with the British government. Others wanted to continue the armed revolt in the hopes of forcing the king and parliament to remedy their grievances. There was no one, apparently, who had the vision to call for complete severance of all political ties with Britain and to found a new nation. The situation remained stalemated until the end of the year. Then, in January 1775, Thomas Paine's pamphlet, Common Sense, came off the press. It was like a fresh wind clearing away a fog. In the simple yet forceful language that characterizes all his writings, Paine showed the absurdity of continuing a relationship of colonies to a mother country. Why, he asked, should the colonies, already peopled with three million inhabitants and destined to expand to cover a vast continent, be ruled from a small island 3,000 miles away? Why continue to be subjects of a tyrant king when the way was open to be citizens of a free republic? This pamphlet spread like wildfire. The small presses of the time could not keep up with the demand. Hundreds of thousands of copies were issued and penetrated to every colony in a short time. Payne's arguments were unanswerable. They left no middle ground. All talk of compromise and further petitions to Parliament died out. Find this audiobook and many more at AtheistAudiobooks.com. And we're back. So our next guest is a Facebook atheist. He used to be a truck driver, and now he's pretty much a full-time debater out there. He's all over the all Facebook, all over the Internet. Please welcome Damien Mary at Hope. Hey, buddy. How are you doing? Good, good. See, that's a live audience. Right on. Thank you for joining us, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Uh, for, for those of us, our audience, that might not know you, those that have been living under a rock, have not seen you on Facebook or anything like that, can you give us a, a Reader's Digest uh, story of who you are? Okay. Um, I'm Damien Marie Hope, and I'm an axiological atheist. You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Yeah, but I'll first start talking about myself. I was born in uh, California. I was born in um, Long Beach. Anyways, uh, I had uh, um, religious parents who were in a uh, uh, were fanatically religious in a cult and uh, uh, Christians, and they would uh, be like wearing um, white like sheets with red writing on them, and you're going to hell and signs. They're total fanatics, and um, we didn't celebrate any holidays, and really no birthdays, and it was just and. A lot of abuse and stuff, and, and um, because of and directly kind of motivated from the religious ideas, especially spanking you know your child or or whatever. But what church so affiliation that, that is that? So I ended up in a drug and alcohol addiction, and um, because of that, I ended up at seventeen, almost dying. Ended up in a rehab, and uh, got sober. Once, once I did that, I went back to the continuation high school that I was already at. I was at a continuation high school because I was such a bad kid, I had actually been expelled and kicked out of high school. Well, sounds more so, like a fun kid to me. Woohoo! 
<laughs> yeah, I was definitely a fun kid. I, I was trouble. Just where where I was at became where, where the trouble was. But anyways, um, yeah, so I, I went back to the continuation high school, and I was really worried at first all these people are going to get me to be bad again, you know, because it's not just the addiction. It's all the behaviors that go with it. I mean, I shouldn't be robbing and stealing and, you know, threatening and people or whatever. I need to have a different life. So, but the fact is, I, I when I went there, I realized, actually, I have an opportunity. I started seeing it differently. This is the perfect place to go back to for someone to be trying to be sober. Because I need to actually help these people because they're worse than anyone at a regular high school. And so uh, I started helping people and I started doing stuff there and trying to get involved. And then it was weird because all of a sudden, every like oh, everybody, about five people or so started like combing their hair like me, <laughs> dressing like me. It was like weird. It was the first time in my life I realized, wow, I need to watch what I'm doing because I can have an impact. And then I realized, if I do have this impact, may I do it so it's helpful? May I impact be beneficial? And I started realizing, wow, if I have this opportunity, it seems like people follow me, I need to be a good leader. And so I really started focusing on me. And I, so doing that, I was in this art class. And the teacher left. I don't know if she was fired. I don't remember now or what. But we got this uh, substitute, and she wasn't even an art teacher. Inconceivable! And so all the kids just sat there. We're already bad kids. So they started picking up clay, throwing up the wall, drawing on the walls. And I, and I uh, told the, the teacher, we need to do something. And she's like, well, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, I know art. So I said, why don't I make this big mural, you know, like seven feet by five feet, and then have the whole class help me paint it? Because some of them aren't artistic. I am, but I can show them that we can uh, together make this thing. It was huge. And anyways, they gave me an art scholarship because of doing that. Not just for my art, but actually the helping of the whole class. Hmm. And because of that, ends up that in my life, I, I, um, I um, was early uh, and I got married and... Um, I had basically lost a job and I was totally destitute, sitting on a um, shopping cart, thinking, what can I do with my life, with my wife? And we were homeless. And uh, she says, why don't you be a truck driver? <laughs> truck driver? Me? The guy that has a map to get to his house? Because sometimes <laughs> I forget? <laughs> really? And she goes, well, it'll pay a lot of money and... We can, you know, live on in the truck, like an instant, no more homeless, and a job at the same time. I like, you know, so I thought, well, that that is, could be a good idea. But then I called the school, and they said, you need to have $500. I didn't have no money. So, but I did have this art scholarship that I never used for $500. I thought, well, that's almost like it's meant to be. <laughs> but... So I went to the school and I said, can I have my art scholarship? But I don't want to use it for art. Let me use it for truck driving. So um, they told me, well, actually, because you never used it, it, it went void after a year or whatever. You know, because I, I was like a couple years from high, you know, high school. And I, I started crying. The teacher told me I started crying because I'm homeless. I don't know what to do. I don't have a job. And the teacher 
starts writing out of a checkbook for $500 and gave it to me. I said, man, I've never experienced such kindness. I was like, man, I wanted to, to live up to what you just did. I want to live my life. He just saved my life. And he cried. And um, so then I became a truck driver. And anyways, I did it for 11 years route, and I drove a million miles, been to every single state in the United States, four provinces of Canada. One of the things I started doing as a truck driver, though, is I started helping other truck drivers. And then I decided I was good at that, and I seemed to like, so I started becoming a trainer. So I started training truck drivers. When I started training truck drivers, I realized I seemed to have a knack for teaching. And then I thought, well, why don't I get into counseling? Say what? So, I, so then I, got, I went and got a bachelor's and got a counseling. Then I started getting my master's. But what's funny, I my bachelor's, what happened, this strange thing is I had to take two religious classes, which I thought was weird because I'm a Christian and I don't need more religion. <laughs> anyway, so, but the first religious class I took, ah, funny thing. It was the, the world religions. Well, if you'd asked me, Damien, you know, name five, you know, religions of the world. I don't even know if I could have done it. I would have gone, um... Christianity, Catholic, I mean, <laughs> Mormonism. Um, I mean, I, I would have been Islam. I, I mean, I, I was so stupid. I was so ignorant. <laughs> I absolutely know nothing, which is so weird now because I'm like really educated about it now. It's so bizarre because I was so ignorant. <laughs> so when I took the class, because I was so ignorant, it was also kind of good because I started hearing the theme. They all were the same. Every single one of them had the only way to the afterlife. Every single one of them has the only morality. Such a coincidence, isn't it? Yeah, coincidence. Every single one of them seems to be positioned that wherever they're at is the sacred place. And you just happen to be born in the right one, too. Exactly. That's absolutely amazing. And so all those things, that I'm still Christian, but I started going, man... If they're all wrong and it's all the same, could mine be wrong? Then That's I told me I'd take a question. class in the Bible. I thought, yay! The only class that I'm going to ace. I've, I've read the, the King James and NIV Bible. I, I, I just, my whole life was, was a, you know religious. Oh, this is going to be easy. It was the hardest class I ever took. <laughs> they started bringing in archaeology and saying how they, things were missed and how this was. I was like, what the? What you, I mean, I was, it was like the cognitive dissonance was hitting me hard. Oh, I was like, I like I was drowning in the class. Like, and then I was trying to find some way, some route to grab on as I'm sliding down this mountain, you know, into this cavern. Like, oh, oh. But then I started realizing, no, actually, it's the other way around. I'm actually climbing out of the cavern. Really profound for me in the class, the Christianity. I didn't even make it halfway through, and I became atheist. And I had never even doubted God in my life. I, ne- I mean, someone would have said it, I would have laughed. What a stupid doubt God. But all of a sudden, when we got to the point of um, the, the middle of the book or something, they talk about um, Satan, Lucifer, the devil, 
none of those are a serpent. None of those are the same same thing. <laughs> and when they showed it with verses, I mean, it blew my mind. I find your lack of faith disturbing. And right then, I had this like hot flash come over me, like just emotional, and I realized I'm an atheist. I mean, it was just like bam. <laughs> I didn't know what to call it, but I was like. I don't know what you call it, but I no longer believe in God. The Bible is bullshit. I don't know what that means or anything. but And so doing that, for about the first two or three years, I didn't go on Facebook or anything. I didn't talk to atheists. I basically still was in counseling. But the more I was in counseling, I, was, I took seven classes in my master's. The more I got into counseling, the more I started realizing religion is a real problem. I mean... If I want to be effective, that's what I want to be as a counselor, was I want to help the world. I want to try to give back. I want to make a difference. That's why I wanted to be a counselor. I want to help the hurting. So is it really the most effective just to help one person in a counseling? Or should I really help the systemic problem that even Freud realized, which is religion? And this, this belief in gods and the harm that comes to that, the shame, the guilt. Just like I would say, you know what? I will always fight religion until they stop indoctrinate children. Because until that dude stop that child abuse, I, I, I will have to always fight religion or gods or any, any, anything that, that, that is that destructive that tells you that you are not a full person. You're less of a, of a, of a human. It's just, no. Yeah. So, Especially with your, but, li your life that what you've been through, when you can find better morality in a Spider-Man comic book that says, you know, with great power comes great responsibility, which you well, kind of learn, that's a better well, lesson than you can find in the Bible. <laughs> well, and, and what you said is pretty much what I learned. I realized I have a great power, and thus I have a great responsibility. And that's how I've tried to live my life is really present in, in all that. And so, but so funny, so I, once I... Um, uh, Decided that I was going to, um, you know, the biggest problem I needed to solve was religion and gods. That's when I started. I needed to be a public atheist. <laughs> and actually, I stopped college and I said, I need to write a book because I hear all these atheists online and I don't really kind of agree. Doesn't mean that I'm saying that my way is the right way, but I'm just saying that I hear skepticism so much pushed. But really, it should, to me, it should be rationalism. I, I hear, you know, that that we have to be agnostics and not why the proposition of God is not even a full, intelligible concept. There's nothing that can point to in reality and go, oh, that means what a God is. It's just ludicrous. So, I, I, which is an, an agnostic with an I or an atheist. Mm. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show, uh, Damien. And you got to stay with us because right now right we're going to do a segment called Things That Make You Go. Oh, yeah. You got a nice little story, and I want everybody to jump in on this. Now, did you guys know that just when you thought you had control over your life and you were confident you were a Taurus with an ascendant in Scorpio, here comes NASA with science to spoil the day. NASA revealed there are actually 13 signs of the zodiac. When people hear about the NASA new zodiac signs, they were confused as it would mean a huge change on their astrological sign. Actually, it did, aside from adding the new zodiac sign, NASA changed the dates as it is necessary, right? The zodiac signs have been having an overhaul this year and moving forward. Per the report, the Babylonians purpose, purposely left out a sign called 
I hope I'm saying this right, Ophiuchus. Because they need 12 signs, but the zodiac sign has been present in the celestial body. The sun reportedly aligns with Ophiuchus, the 13th sign of the zodiac, for 18 days during the year. Uh-oh, I'm in trouble now. Well, it turns out that, you know, all, it turns out that every month, you know, the signs, they're not aligned with simply for like a month or so. Uh, sometimes it's 45 days, sometimes it's 18 days, sometimes it's 30 days. So, Ophiuchus is based on the constellation of the same name, which is also known as the Serpent Bearer in Greek. The new zodiac sign would have been part of the horoscope since 1970 when Stephen Schmidt proposed it. However, since the proposal was controversial, the astrological community opted to stick with the 12 zodiac signs that the people already knew until NASA decided to bring it back. Can't really contradict NASA, now, can you? So, so, you guys ready to learn your new sign? I don't sure. know. I don't know. It sound it sounds a little spooky to me. Okay, well I was I was known to be an Aries because I I was born April seventh. Okay. But it turns out now I'm a Pisces. You're a Pisces? I'm now? a Pisces now. You have to change your entire personality? Absolutely. Oh. Now I love to swim way more. <laughs> Damien, when were you born? I was born uh September uh sixth, nineteen seventy one. September sixth. Were you a uh, Virgo September 6th? Yeah. Well, you yeah. are now a Leo, sir. From August 10th to September 16th, you are now a Leo. That's funny. Not that it means anything. Not that I ever <laughs> even, even acknowledged that, that, that I was a Virgo. <laughs> Nancy, you are now a Virgo. I'm a Virgo? From September 16th to October 30th. Oh, there goes all my, my attractive Libra habits. And now I've got to be a persnickety before. Oh, no. Kevin, I already know my sign. It's stop. Have a time. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> what is your birthday, sir? Uh, July 15th. July 15th. July 15th. That means you're a Gemini now from Ooh. June 21st to July 20th. Well, that explains my split personalities. It sure yeah. does. And what about you, Deb? I was a Sagittarius. You were a Sagittarius. Well, now you are actually, actually, you you're 17, right? Yeah. You're just on the line. You're just on the line of the Ophiuchus and Sagittarius. I've always been on the cusp of something big. That's okay. right. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, that would be me I think still. it's wonderful because now you've got an entire um, resources of excuses for how, well, I used to be a Gemini, but now I'm a I'm Pisces. I'm just so confused, so you, Nancy. Yeah, it, it takes all all the blame uh, the off, of your, off of your parents. You know, you said, well, your parents are to blame. No, no, now it's the change of signs. That's right. You can go on forever with excuses. Mm. It's great. If, yes. if you and mothers are blameless now. If you, if you take a sign, for example, like um, uh, Virgo, September 16th to October 30th, mm-hmm. it's actually longer than a month. It's almost a month and a half. But if you take Scorpio, and this is, of course, real science. By the alignment of the constellation to our, in, 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 uh, to our planet. Scorpio now is only November 23rd to the 29th. Six days. You have six days to be a Scorpio. <laughs> and that is it. I have no faith in this. I'm sorry. Oh, that's, well, that's okay. Nobody has faith really in it. There was a time that a man told me to be forewarned of a snake in the garden. Right? <laughs> mm. I beat a snake today. <laughs> well, it's an added complication, but there again, more excuses for your behavior, so it's a trade-off. Absolutely. Yeah. I like it. Perfect. Excellent. Now, let's focus on our friend Damien. All right, so Damien, tell me something. In your uh, in your country, in the good old U.S. of A., it's not an easy thing to be an atheist. And you're out there talking to a lot of people. Where do you think the status of atheism is at this point in the U.S.? 
Well, I would say um, in the U.S., uh, the status of atheism uh, is growing, but I think um, to some extent, I think the religious people uh, are either afraid of us because they know, or they think that our that we're ludicrous, so they see us as a joke. I would say, is or like they're sorry for us because they think that, which is so bizarre. Because I've talked to, I do street activism. I also go to colleges and. Um, so I hold signs and um, I don't like do like the Christians. I don't yell at people or anything. I just stand there and I offer um, free candy usually. <laughs> and then, free candy and philosophy. <laughs> you're, not, you're not doing this while in the back of a van somewhere, are you? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> free candy and philosophy. I like that. <laughs> so so do, you, do you feel that these uh, Christians that are... Um, Thinking of uh, you as being well, and us atheists as being ludicrous. Do you think they're doing that in, you know, like a nervous laughter kind of thing? No, like I said, um, I think it's like true belief. It's hard to explain because I, I do know from coming from a, my parents being a religious cult. I've seen people be in a cult. I see how they're like, whatever. Like the the master says, oh yes, oh please, will I lick your shoe? Oh, can I please, you know, like the like the what? You know, the one cult in Japan where the people castrated themselves. Oh, that sounds charming. No, thank you. You no, know what one might be doing in their personal time. Mm. I mean, those yeah. rubber bands can be used for all sorts of things, Is right? Is that the Lorena Bobbitt cult? <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying so. Re- religious does a very weird thing to people. I mean. Like me, it's like the, it's almost like, it reminds me that it's almost like grief, like the first stages or something. It's like, like all these different things that happen when people are, are deconstructed from a cult. But to me, the problem is, in general, most of Christianity or most of religion, you know, Islam, most of them almost are like cults. So the people, it's like they see with colored glasses, they cannot even, so when they, when they think we're ludicrous, I don't think it's like a joke. I mean, I think they, they, it's like if someone were to tell us atheists the earth is flat, which is there, there's ludicrous people out there. Ha, well, um, what an incredibly stupid question. And we look at them like, the fuck? You know what I mean? It's just, it's so insane. Yeah, it's a pain avoidance. It's not a laugh. You almost got like, are you kidding? Like, you're not sure if they're serious. And I think that, but I remember when I was, like I said, if when I was a Christian, if you would have said, if I ever doubted God, I would have laughed at you. Because what a stupid thing. That's like asking if I ever doubted I have a toe. Yeah, are there places, I mean, you've traveled all over the States. I mean, is the representation that we have of the United States, the South being very, very religious and the North being much more progressive, is that really an accurate description? Or are there like really pockets here and there? Is it more like a city versus rural as far as atheism is concerned? As far as atheism is concerned, as you mean, as far as how we're seen or how strong atheism is, I'm not exactly sure. Well, maybe the reaction to, to, to meeting an atheist. I mean, I'm sure the reaction is different if you meet him in Alabama as compared to New York, right? Well, yeah, kind of. It, it's just different. Yeah. In other words, like, um, say in the South, um, you're, you're, you're used to, um, when someone says that, you're used to being more aggressive, maybe. Mm. Okay. So, in other words, if I say I'm an atheist, what? You're an atheist. That's how could you? You're stupid. I, you know what, brother? I pray for you. You're, you know, or maybe in New York, so you say you're an atheist, and they're like, that's 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 ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? So, in a sense, 
it's the same bigotry. It's like atheistophobia is the same, but the how it's expressed is a little different. But I think you know, um, as, as a matter of, I was going to say evolution, but I think you find pockets of atheists in every state that are really trying to educate they're trying to um, get people to deconvert it, I, I don't know how active or, or, or whether you can call all of the, the the groups that are meeting activists but I think today you probably find many more groups than you did five or ten years oh, ago yeah. Yeah, for yeah. Sure, for sure. Uh, Damien you do you feel that the message of atheism is coming out more in the states I mean, we'll... oh, I, yeah, definitely. Absolutely, it's coming out more, and that's why I know that um, it's even more important. To, though, when it does come out, that that I think that for me personally, I, you know, I don't speak for everyone. For me, I would like it to have a, a message of hope, not just the hatches of some kind of like you know feeling that because because the feeling that what I mean is the feeling that they're going to feel like say it, if, when I was a Christian. The moment that you tell me there's no God, mm-hmm. let's just say you were able to give me evidence. Not not like in class where it was a little bit slower process, but if you were just able to show me there is no God, in a sense, then I would have felt a loss like someone had died. And so I know that's a, a real problem because they because you hear people, they'll say, they won't say, I believe in Christianity. They'll say, I am a Christian. I don't believe in the book of Islam. I am. My children are. And they say, my family, we're all Christians. Not, they don't say, we all believe in the Bible and the teachings of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? So it's not a belief. That's a, for me, um, that's a big important thing. So how we address that, for me, we have to do it with more kindness. Because these people are, someone's dying. Now, that doesn't mean I don't think that sometimes that the shocking them is not important, too. Yes, because sometimes we need to be shocked because what happens is we're never challenged like I was never challenged. We actually uh, we're allowing this sickness of religion and belief to continue. Hmm. When we, when we, so even though, say, it's almost like it, if, if a, uh, a family has a drug addict. And you do an intervention. Certainly, the person at the point of being intervented, you know, against, feels like the entire world's against them. Mm. All their friends, everyone I could have ever trusted, now they they don't trust me. Now they hate me. When actually the family cares, the family's trying to help. They're telling them facts they don't want to hear, but they're facts to, to, that are not being said with the desire to actually inflict harm mm. but with the facts even like they'll say you love me you broke my heart you know and if you don't go to the treatment today you know i i will have to no longer you know allow you my life you know so those are hard facts but they're out of love and that's what i want i want to give hard atheist facts hard anti-religious facts but i want to do it out of love i want to do it because i want to save people in their minds Their, their, their lives, because it's it's life-destroying and infringement to be in religion. Don't you feel that maybe if these people identify the religion as their own identity, like you said, you know, they yeah. don't believe, then if you're using these hard facts, even out of love, they might not be able to read the motivation you have. 
Oh, well, certainly not. Like I said, if you were to ask right at the point of the person being in an intervention for drugs, how do you feel about people? Like I said, they would feel everyone's against them. So, yes, I know. It's really hard. Like I said, which is to me more important for me to try to be kind because that the message will be heard better. It's, it's to me, it's not really the hard fact. It's how, in other words, um, I need to learn to be understanding of them. So, which is really a hard thing. But see, it reminds me of fear, though, that we need to not fear them, too. Not fear Christians, not fear Muslims, not fear Hindus, Buddhists, whatever. Not fear, and I don't mean religions, I'm talking about the people. That because they have a religion, we shouldn't, we don't think all the time, hey, there's people with, you know, guns out there that are going to kill us, or there's people with mental illness, or there's, you know, there's people, you know, that are escaping prison or something. We do not think constantly in our lives about all these things. But, but those are still realities. And it is important to know if they're in your neighborhood. If, I, if Wouldn't you want to know? You know it's a hard fact. You would want to know if there's a child rapist that just escaped prison and he's in your neighborhood. Same, I feel. It is an ever-present threat. Religion, God, uh, you know, concepts are this ever-present thing that's against humanity. It's in our neighborhood. It's on our streets. It is hurting our children. And I have to do something about it. Yeah, and of course, with your bag of candy to sweeten the pot, yeah. that kind of helps. <laughs> Hi, Damien. It's Kevin. Hello. Other Kevin here. <laughs> so you, you raised an interesting point. Like, it sounds to me like you, you go about this in a way to try and circumvent the, the natural walls that people put up, right? But what do you... What do you do when you come across somebody who is intellectually not capable of understanding that kind of level of reason that axiomatic or axiological atheism kind of entails? Because it's a scientific thing, right? <coughs> so, are you, are like, you asking him what, he's, what does he do when he meets a dumbass? Yeah, well, in, in and why are you looking words, at me when you say that? Well, because you know, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What would you do? You know, like uh, some like so, so what would be your default I, I position really, to go I to? I see people as, as being not. stupid, not dumbasses. For me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only one that fits so, that description. Stupid because because I see stupid is is not actually even as a derogatory. It's just that you're doing a behavior that's causing harm. You realizing it or unrealizing it, then you're continuing. And mm -hmm. so I, I, we need to show people that things are stupid. And no one wants to hear they're doing stupid things. But if you continue doing stupid things, it is harmful. So, like I said, it really, how, how you break things down is, like you said, axiological atheism, it, it's not, I'm not sucking it an axiom. Axiological mm -hmm. or axiology, if you look it up, the word, um, it's basically value theory or value science. I had no idea. Yeah, from I basically go in between those. The reason I don't do as much science part of it is only because I'm not good at calculus. Hmm. You have to understand calculus to truly be able to do the actual legitimate scientific axiology. So what axiology does is everything that you say is worth good that is uh, value, L all that has to do with axiology. Value theory. But axiology is like a philosophy. It is actually a philosophy. A philosophy of what you value, why you value, who you value, and what's worth valuing, what's not worth valuing, what's not good, what's harmful, whatever. And, and it, it's able to quantify it, to, to see it in the big picture. Start putting the world in a structure 
of value to where you start realizing that actually, and there's been neuroscientists that actually um, figured out axiology actually is in the brain. It's how we talk. Yes. It really makes sense. It's a basic thing. Even animals do it. In a sense, we, in our, we need to be able to assess the worth, the value, the goodness of things because that helps our, our um, survival. Right, to see the value is inside those people, right? So you kind of agree to that. Right. Exactly. That's good, thank so you. So because I'm that kind of an atheist, it, that's an, almost like well, it is. Uh, uh, it's a part of ethics. So it's an, almost like an ethical argument against God, an ethical argument against religion, an ethical argument for humanity, an ethical argument for universal ethics. It's like a it's this whole structure. So we're like, in other words, a regular person says, I'm an atheist. They're saying that I don't believe in God. Where an axiological atheism is, is the not God is like a very small part of the entire scope of what we're talking about. Well, this is great because, uh, like, I I appreciate that you can see the difference or that you realize the difference between ethics and morality. Because, in my opinion, or what I've been told, anyways is morality tends to carry with it a kind of a religious context, whereas ethics is more so the, the logic of the whole mm, thing, right? Mm, yeah. Well, well, let me explain exactly how I see it. So morality is like the, the main subheading. Morality. Mm -hmm. Okay? Under that is ethics and morals. Now, those are not the same thing. I agree with you. Thank you. So, I, I try to break it down real simple for people. So, moral is a personal Ethics is a social. Hmm. So you, this is why I try to say religion's actually doing something very wrong. They take a personal moral and make it a public moral. It's uh, not a public. It's not a social. That's not how you should interact with others. That is how you should interact with yourself. Morals should be almost like values and virtue, like something that I say, I want to be a kind person. That's a moral that I, I am aspiring to, should be. They're corrupting it and making it like it's an ethic. So, yeah, there's definitely a difference. That's pretty cool. I mean, here you, you're on the verge of publishing a book yourself. Yeah, and even how I did that is kind of strange. I wasn't even going to, uh, you know, publish a book. But I started, the more I started talking to people, the more I started realizing that, you know, people said you couldn't, you didn't know things or you couldn't say where religion came from exactly. And I'm like, why not? Well, why hasn't someone looked into the archaeology? And it's not like we don't know facts. I mean, we, oh, we should have a better hang on. Hmm. So I basically spent almost three years, I read five books on archaeology, I mean, college level, $200 books, you know, whatever, and actually started training myself. And became, you know, I, I wouldn't call myself an archaeologist or anything, but I mean, <laughs> I certainly have enough to understand because my, my goal was I wanted to be able to show you don't need your beliefs. And it, it, this isn't my opinion, this is a scientific fact. And so that's what I've up, I believe. Hmm. I go from a million years all the way to 18 something with the last biggest world religion. And so everything in between. Yeah, well, well, we'll look forward to actually uh, seeing your book and uh, when it comes out. Uh, Damien, if people want to know more about you and what you're doing, uh, where can they find you? Well, the best place if you want to just find out quickly about me is to go to my website. And the website is at damienmarieathope.com. 
Excellent. Now, Damien, before one more thing before I let, I let you go, can I ask you a small favor? Can I get you to say, hi, I'm Damien Marriott Hope, and I took a left at the valley. Hi, I'm Damien Marriott Hope, and I took a left at the valley. And that was our friend Damien Marriott Hope. We're actually going to have to bring him back. Apologies for the line. It went a bit uh, weird there towards the end, but that's okay. We'll bring him back, especially when his new book comes out. That should be fun. Now, before I let you guys go, we'll do something we haven't done in a long time. Let's do a bit of confession. Uh-oh. Now, confession is the segment that I bring a little story that happened to me, and I want to hear your thoughts, whether I was crazy or not. And this is a story I was thinking uh, this week because... Uh, Gambling was in the news, and I was listening on radio, and uh, this is a story that happened a little while back, so it's an old, it's an old story, but I want to see what you guys think about this. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I think the government is kind of really addicted to gambling revenues. It seems as though it is. I mean, it's going, they, they, try, they, they put it in a lot of um, uh, um, different, different ways to help communities don't schools benefit and some some other they say that yeah. right? they say that um a couple of years ago several years ago actually uh when i was uh, dating this girl she had a couple of kids and uh, what they did is that these kids are in high school at that point right they're they're young they're still in high school they're just starting just starting in high school the school would bring an alum student back to the school to inspire the kids now, this guy shows up driving a Ferrari. He's slick. He's cool. On the, in the auditorium in front of all the kids, he tells them... He's, he's a drug dealer? He's a professional <laughs> poker player. Oh, okay. <laughs> so the kids, as soon as the kids came home that night, the first thing he asked me, he says, Kev, can you teach me how to play poker? Hmm. Now, I went to the school right away after this. And I said, are you guys stupid? Are you... Are you are you, are you freaking stupid? Bring a gambler to inspire kids. And this is, this is right in mission, right? And, and they said, well, you know, he's, he's a successful student. You know, he's an ex-student. You know, I said, you know, I can find probably one of your ex-students in the downtown east side as a hooker, too. Should mm. I bring her? Did I overreact to this? Or am I right to be outraged about this? You were so diplomatic. It's really hard to find. <laughs> it's really hard to find fault in your, in your approach. But no, I think you. I think you. Uh, I think you were the moment of sanity. I mean, it's like having. Um, well, this, this is a guy that's actually no, no. approved by the. the, the, the yeah. Okay, okay. You, uh, the contrary, and I want to listen. There is nothing illegal in no, gambling. No, there isn't. There is, however, something illegal about prostitution. Yes. So, there's the difference, right? Well, it's not illegal to be a prostitute. Oh, it is illegal to be no, a prostitute it's illi- it's in illegal. Canada, is it no, not? No, it's illegal to purchase. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, see... So keep in America, your American in America, we shun the woman for that yeah. as well. well we, we shun her too here. But. Shun the non-believer. <laughs> I, 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 I don't believe in sex. Yeah. Therefore, <laughs> I don't believe in money. Wait. No, wait, wait. <laughs> well, I think when It you, happens. Yeah. I, I think the problem is that you're, you're bringing somebody in to um, speak to kids who are a very impressionable age, and they're not thinking about gambling as being something that will fund... Uh, things that are good in the community, yeah. they're thinking, oh, money, cars, money. This, women, guy, this guy shows up in a Ferrari, for crazy. Right. He's it, making payments like the rest of us. Well, you know what? Had that been hmm. that age, too, I probably would have asked the same question, 
right? He's like, how do I get that car? Yeah, exactly. So well, I think it sends exactly the wrong message. I'm surprised. What what did the principal did, did the principal say under what? Well, uh, he, he tried to make excuses, of course. You know, so well, you know, he's a student and uh, he's not doing anything illegal, just like you said. But I said, what kind of example are you showing here? If you had brought a, you, you can't tell me you can't find an architect, an engineer, a, a scientist, and all the students that came through this high school. Yeah, you I mean, eventually, that. eventually, you bring that gambler back. To, you know, in one of the scared straight episodes because. <laughs> <That's you know, laughs> Was gambling got the bell? I mean, you know, it's a little premature to bring that guy, you know, at this point. But I just no, I I I think you were justified. You still have to wonder what he's making up for with the Ferrari, though. Yeah, compensation. Mm. <laughs> and it's not like he he showed him like the Bud Dwyer video or something like that. So let's hope not. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, guys, for being on the show. And thank you for all our listeners. And thank you even to Keith for sending us that letter. Uh, you can always send us uh, some hate mail if you want. <laughs> or some bad mail. Or some good mail. Yeah. Left at Valley at Outlook.com. If you want to send a complaint, it's Nancy at Left at the Valley.com. Second floor. <laughs> Coming up next week, we'll have our very first, and all the episodes we've ever done, our very first full on debate. We have Chris the Christian versus Gemma. Uh, Paige, uh, she's going to be joining us via Skype, but Chris is going to be here with us, Whoa. and we're going to be debating the historicity of Jesus. That should be fun. The oh, week boy. after that, we'll be talking to our friend uh, David Fitzgerald about St. Paul. You know, a lot of people forget about St. Paul and the influence he had on the Bible. That should be interesting. The week after that, the 17th, we'll be doing our Christmas special, and we might be doing it live from a cafe in Agassiz. That should be fun. Well, maybe not so light. But <laughs> Somewhere in the couple of weeks after that, we'll probably do a top 10 of the best moments of Left of the Valley during 2016. In the new year, we have uh, Jenny Rustemeyer and Grant Baldwin coming to talk about uh, to us about food waste. That should be very interesting. And we also managed to rope in John McComb from uh, the CKNW 980, who's going to be talking about living with depression. He was actually uh, won an award as he suffers from depression himself and as a radio host that should be a very interesting conversation good shows coming up yeah, can't wait to have great shows don't we <laughs> I didn't know they gave out awards for depression no <laughs> <laughs> the covers of Kevin are not necessarily old left the valley subsidiaries yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow us on Facebook or on Twitter at LETV Podcast you can send us, like, send us an email um Follow us at uh, leftatvalley.com. I have nothing else to say. What do you about you guys? No, what please. No, if, and if anybody has a good idea for a show, yeah. keep them coming. Let us know. Absolutely. Send us more hate mail. We love it. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time.
a blood stain. Millions of murders by believers, and they're all in God's name. And let me take a sec, don't mean to sound so hateful, but I swear to God, unintended, I find it disgraceful. That many atheists are told to be quiet, you're not alone. Speak your mind, time to let it be known. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance, and you just call it faith, and unsubstantiated claims, that's something to be ashamed. I'm an atheist, atheist, atheist.